Hi, everyone. In days gone by, if you uh, got buried in a cemetery, it doesn't happen that often these days. People tend to go for cremation these days. But if you, if you do get buried in a cemetery, what often used to happen, and you can see this over in the Melbourne Cemetery, which is in that direction, um, is that you'd get buried according to religion or even could be race even in the olden days. So you'd go through, if you walk through the Melbourne Cemetery, you'll have the Catholic, the Roman Catholic section, which would be characterised by lots of crosses and uh, maybe even, could even be in really old um, cemeteries, references to um, purgatory and prayers for the dead. Then if you go into another section, you will have the Protestant section, you'll have the Anglican section, the Baptist section, the Presbyterian section. You might even get um, the Chinese section in a Melbourne cemetery, Melbourne cemetery because of the ways they used to do things in the 19th century. And uh, in, in those Protestant sections, the, you'll get more references maybe to scripture quotes and references to going to heaven. But if you were to go into um, the catacombs of the ancient Roman Empire and look around at how they, the symbols that they used on, on the burial of the dead, you get very different imagery. We're talking, you know, sort of fourth century and before. You get images like a fish or a vine, and quite often you get images of the good shepherd. The shepherd who tenderly cared for and protected the flock in the green pastures, often uh, you know, a shepherd carrying a sheep on, on his shoulders, the shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. And there's a history book by A.P. Stanley called, called um, Lectures on the History of the Eastern Church, and he argues that actually the ancient Christians, the very earliest Christians, really had a religion of the good shepherd. Uh, it was an image in Christianity, a symbol that was a lot more prominent than it is today. They focused on the kindness of Jesus, the courage, his grace, the love of Christ, the Good Shepherd. The early gems, the early seals, the fragments of glass that are now in museums, these old relics have Christ portrayed as bringing back the lost sheep to the fold. And they used this image because Christ used this image about himself. He adopted this image from the Hebrew writings. It's a great tradition. So if you were to go through and do a survey of the Old Testament, you'd see Im um, images of the good shepherd, um, which is in the Old Testament is identified as God. You'd have stories of the lost sheep or the lost flock, the opponents of the shepherd, the incarnation of the shepherd. Who is the shepherd? The promised shepherd to come. The high cost of the life of the shepherd is talked about. The shepherd who sustains the sheep, who finds the sheep, who restores the sheep. The lost sheep theme of repentance and return comes back time and time again. You even get talk of bad sheep. Um, a celebration when a lost sheep is found. And often associated with the story of the, of the shepherd the, is um, the end of the story where there's some kind of meal or in the, being in the house with God. Before Jesus used the image of the good shepherd, he, um, it was used in the Old Testament. So he, Jesus is looking back there. Um, 
Psalm 78 talks about how God chose King David to be the shepherd of Israel. Isaiah 63 says that Moses brought the Israelites through the Red Sea like a shepherd, like a great shepherd. And Micah 5 points forward to the time when a great um, good shepherd will come who will stand and shepherd in the strength of the Lord. Many of the kings of Israel are portrayed as shepherds, often as bad shepherds. But when God is described as Israel's shepherd, um, he's described as Israel's true king, true shepherd. So Jesus is picking up this theme when, when you see it read, talked about in the New Testament, um, famously, when he uses this to describe himself and tells parables about sheep and shepherds. He's in this tradition of Moses and David and the kings and the prophets. He's aware of this shepherd tradition. So in Luke chapter 15, famously, he tells a parable, parable which defines himself as the good shepherd. In Mark 6, the feeding of the 5,000, there's this kind of uh, background uh, music of the good shepherd theme of the Bible. Um, he acts out this role as the shepherd with the feeding of the 5,000. He feeds them by the, the waters of, of Lake Galilee. In Matthew, the disciples are called to be good shepherds. In John, the good shepherd texts come to their climax at the cross and the resurrection. And the Apostle Peter is fully aware of all of this image. It was Jesus who said to the Apostle Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. So he says the elders of the church are like shepherds. Peter is a fellow shepherd and Jesus is the chief shepherd. So this series that we're going to have over the next six weeks is going to look at this theme of the good shepherd and the sheep, these passages in the Bible. And I hope that we're inspired to, to see our faith in a fresh way, perhaps in the way that the ancient Christians saw it, that we'll have our eyes open to God who loves us, um, like a shepherd, like the perfect good shepherd. And I hope that this is full of joy for you, that you'll, you'll have a sense of... Um, God's love for you. This morning we begin with perhaps the most famous psalm and the most famous, maybe, the most famous shepherd reference, which is Psalm 23. The psalm is a very important, it's very important to the exploration of this theme because it almost has all of the themes that you get in the whole Bible about the, the good shepherd. They're almost all there in this psalm. And it stands out as we read through the Psalms because it's a kind of a fresh image of God that we get. Often when you read the Psalms, the image of God is like the homeland security God. So he's the shield, he's the high tower, the fortress, the high place, the refuge, the rock, the stronghold, the horn of salvation. But there's these other alternative themes in the Psalms. Uh, that, that, you know, God is sometimes like a mother, sometimes like a caring father, and here is like a shepherd. This is the pastoral relation, relational God that we're looking at here. And you get it all brought together in Luke 15. That's just what Jesus does. So God is like the good shepherd who goes after the one sheep. God is like the good woman who looks for the lost coin. God is like the loving father who patiently and graciously waits for his rebellious son to come home. And embraces him. So let's turn to this psalm. And what I'm going to do is just really focus in on the first opening line 
and see how that gives us a bit of a window into the whole psalm, what it means for the Lord to be our shepherd. What does it mean? Well, first of all, it means that your deepest security is in God. So the psalm opens with, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, and you'll probably know it more famously as, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, because of the old songs, the old translation. The psalmist is probably thinking of the land of Samaria and Judea. In ancient times, the shepherd, when he went out to work, was working in a place of danger. He was out from the protection of his village, on his own, at the mercy of the wilderness of the, of the desert, facing intense heat and wild animals, snakes, dust storms, water shortage. And the sheep had nowhere else to look except for their shepherd. So the Lord is my shepherd means I've got no other protection. It's just the shepherd. I've got no bodyguard out here. So what do the sheep do? The sheep confidently follow the shepherd, trusting that he will look after them. And the rest of the psalm unpacks what this means. Having God as the one, your one true protector, the one that your security is in, is all about trust. And this psalm is about trusting God, isn't it? It faces the reality that in life there is real danger. All of us can at any moment find ourselves in the darkest valley, to use the imagery from verse 4, or in the old translation, the valley of the shadow of death. So the image of the sheep out in the wilderness following the shepherd, it's kind of a metaphor of having an existential um, um, fear, being existentially terrified. The point is that in that dark place, the Lord can be trusted. The Lord can be found. He's there. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. The shepherd leads the sheep to the destination safely. So the psalmist trusts God for protection on the journey, guidance of where to go as life unfolds. The Lord leads him along right paths, which is a double entendre, isn't it? It's not just the road, but it's actually the path of righteousness, as it's sometimes translated. So when our lives start to spiral out of control, as it does periodically... Um, sometimes you feel like more and more things get put on your shoulders that are out of your control. Problems at work, problems, problems at home, relationship problems, financial problems, health problems. We can sometimes start to lack the confidence that God is there and that he cares for us. We can start to lack assurance that God cares for us, that he's real. The psalm reminds us that one of the most basic and important promises of God, which is the promise that I am with you. This is what God said to Jacob at Bethel. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. Genesis 28. This is what the Lord said to the young Jeremiah. 
You must go to everyone I send to you and say, whatever I command you, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 1. It's what the Lord said to the exiles through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 41. It's what Haggai preached to those who had returned from exile. Trusting that the Lord was with them is what motivated the early church in their mission. So the psalmist here isn't just remembering that God is with him. It's not just an intellectual truth, but he's speaking it back to God. His trust in God comes from a place of intimacy and relationship. You are with me, he says. It's not just an abstract idea. He's not just regurgitating the creed. He's like having a conversation. He knows his Father in heaven. This is a personal God. So this psalm preaches the gospel. It preaches good news. There is no place in which the Lord's presence cannot be found, even when evil and suffering is all around. We need to have a Psalm 23 perspective on the presence of God. People often say it's in the good, in the good times. They say, oh, God's blessing me at the moment. I'm feeling his presence with me because things are going well. But this psalm says the opposite. Well, that, that is true. It is true that, you know, when, when, when you're in the green pastures and by the still peaceful waters and along the right paths, he's with you. But this psalm is saying the opposite as well. He's with you in the darkest valley. It's in those times that the Lord uses his rod and his staff to save you from those existential threats. So the psalmist's anxieties turn to courage in the knowledge of what the presence of the Lord means. The Lord is my shepherd means that your deepest security can only be found in God. The second thing that the Lord is my shepherd means is that God cares for individuals. Shepherds work with flocks. It is true. You don't go out as a shepherd with one sheep. It's not financially a good idea for the business model. Very expensive just to care for one sheep. So the shepherd does take out a flock. But in this psalm, it's actually on the individual. That's the focus. These days, in the church and in the West in general, we are individualistic, aren't we? We're obsessed with ourselves. And so in church, we're often saying, stop being so self-focused and look out to other people. But every now and again, it's good to just look at yourself and realise that God loves you as an individual, not just the flock. It's occasionally good just to flip it around and go, actually, God does love me. He is my shepherd. In Psalm 23, both the community and the individual matter. The God who created the universe, the stars in the heaven, the planets and the galaxies, the God who created the earth and the land and the sky and the sea and the fish and the birds, this cosmic Lord is your shepherd. He knows you better than you realise. So something that a lesson that I've learnt this summer is about the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. So um, just last week in the fires, we had um, the Bunyip fires, and I saw on TV um, a news reporter interviewing a lady who said that she had to go to her sheep and say goodbye to them, and she was weeping. 
These were not just, um, you know, ways to make money for her. They were her, it was some, she had some kind of a relationship with these sheep. Um, when we were on holidays in Tasmania, I think I saw it even more profoundly. We stayed in a farm stay, one of those Airbnb farm stays um, in the middle of Tasmania somewhere. And um, the, the, the farmer and his wife, they invited us to come and feed the sheep in the morning. So we got up and went and knocked on the door. Mrs. Farmer came out, can't remember her name. And um, she, you know, classic kind of lived on a farm a long time sort of person. Um, I think originally from Queensland. But anyway, um, she, that wasn't meant to be a comment about Queensland people. But anyway, she, um, we walked across to the fence and um, there was a huge paddock in front of us and no sheep in sight. But she said, oh, it's okay. Uh, I, I, I'll call out to them. Romulus Remus, that was their name, Romulus Remus. And from the other side of the paddock, two sheep bolted across, like, you know, like um, a dog or something, all the way to the fence. And so they knew their names and they knew Mrs. Farmer's voice. And she'd known them since they were little sheep, little lambs. And um, the food, food came out and I, was, I had in my head, you know, the golden book's Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23, kids' book. And the pastures and the sheep just kind of nibbling away quietly. But these sheep were like eating like, you know, they'd hadn't eaten for weeks. And um, there was a kind of a, a, a fun and a joy about this. But then Mrs. Farmer started to tell, tell us that Remus had, um, it was sad because recently Remus had given birth to twins and one was stillborn and that she cried with Remus because she'd given birth to twins and one was stillborn as two as well when she was a young woman. And there's this kind of just relationship there, this care for the individual sheep, a love. The point is God cares about individuals as well as the group. He's your shepherd. He's our shepherd. He's leading us, but he knows what's going on in your life too. He knows when you're hungry. He knows your name. He knows when you're lonely. He's interested in your concerns. He's the shepherd who leaves the flock when one goes missing to go and find the lost sheep and bring it home. So the Lord is my shepherd means your deepest security is only found in God and that he cares for you, the individual. And lastly, it means that the Lord secures all your important needs. The Lord is my shepherd, so I lack nothing. Now, it's hard to believe this with the messaging in, capital, in our capitalist, capitalist society. We're conditioned from a young age to desire, possessions, and then the marketing is so sophisticated that it sort of gets into our subconscious so we believe that we actually need them, that it's important for our life to have these things. But the psalmist has a very basic set of needs that the shepherd provides. Food, drink, peace, rescue when lost, freedom from the fear of evil and death, a sense of being surrounded by the grace of the Lord and a permanent dwelling place in the house of God. When you read Psalm 23, the the Good Shepherd does not provide private health insurance, Apple products, 15 pairs of shoes, 
antique furniture, boutique cycling gear, entertainment. The, the Good Shepherd does not offer you power and control. The Good shepherd, shepherd does not offer such things. What he does offer, however, are the needs that really matter. And we should not undervalue these things either because what the Good Shepherd gives, he's not some kind of stern parent that says, oh, you think you need those things, but you don't actually need them. I'm just going to give you what you actually need. You're going to get a, a pen and a pencil case and a ruler and that's it for Christmas. No, he's not like one of those kind of parents. He provides goodness and mercy. He makes me lie down in green pastures. See, this is a little bit subversive. Well, it's actually very subversive, this psalm. It's a, it's a bit political uh, because it points the finger at the kings, the human kings and rulers who are called in the Bible the shepherds of Israel and says, what you should be doing, kings, is doing what my Lord, the shepherd, provides. He, he, he provides what I truly need. You, what do you do? You do nothing. The human kings of Israel and Judah used their royal office to serve their own needs. And this is true for political leaders today. Their decision seems to be politically motivated, doesn't it? And often they're getting caught out using money that's supposed to be for their office, using them on personal things, benefits that they shouldn't be getting. This is exactly what was happening back then. And so the prophet Ezekiel says... You shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? Israel had to wait for the one true king, who was the one true good shepherd, Jesus Christ, who laid his life down for the sheep. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. This is Jesus speaking. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. John 10, he continues in John 10 verse 14, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. It is only Jesus who can lead you beside quiet or peaceful waters. It is only Jesus who can lead you to the true existential rest this is no afternoon nap. He's offering you new life, free from judgment. He's offering you to drink from the life-giving waters. So I invite you to come to Jesus as your good shepherd because goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray for that. Lord God, thank you that you are our shepherd, that Jesus is our good shepherd, and that we can look, for you, look to you for our protection, uh, that we can know that you care about us as individuals and that you can provide us with what we truly need, especially the spiritual things that matter the most, that you can give us that existential rest that we're longing for. And we pray for all of us here this morning that we will know your care and your love for us. Amen.